Hello. We are excited that you have decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku under the Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street, Bergaw, North Carolina, 28425, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to give a donation, you can go to our website and click the donation button at www.mtdm.org. have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us who live, but it is Christ who lives on the inside of us. And God, you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in this house. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you would, open your Bibles first and foremost. If you don't have a Bible, open your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, or whatever you're using, but open it to the Word of God, the Word of Life, to St. John chapter 2. Beginning at verse 13, ending at verse 17. I'm reading out the New King James Version. St. John chapter 2, verses 13 through verse 17. And let's hear what God has to say unto his people on this morning. And the word of life now reads. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. I want to talk about the zeal for God. The zeal for God. God bought this a while ago. And yesterday as I was sitting before the Lord, I said, Lord, I had so many things I wanted to bring to the body of Christ. But about 10 o'clock last night, I just said, wait a minute. Lord, what you want? And that's what we have to do. Sometimes we're ready to give what we want to give. But then God will say, no, I want you to do this. And sometimes we fight (laughs) with God because we're saying, well, God ain't feeling that. So I don't want to do that, God. I ain't feeling that. So me fighting with God up to 10 o'clock. And finally I gave in. I said, okay, God, show me what you want me to see in this passage of scripture. First of all, it's for me. Before I can give it to the people, I have to receive it for myself and I have to get understanding of what God is saying. So when I went through the first verse, the verse 13, it say, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Now, the Passover is a time of celebration that they come together and celebrate when God brought them out of Exodus, Egypt. He bought them out of Egypt. He bought them out of a place of bondage. He bought them out of a place of slavery. So that was a time. It was at hand. So they was preparing for this Passover that was at hand. They were preparing for a celebration that was going to take place. It was putting them into remembrance of what God had done for them. Y'all, I had to stop right there. Because God said, how many of my people... I'm celebrating. Now, he took me to this church anniversary that we're getting ready to have. And that's a celebration. That's not a tradition. The celebration is we're celebrating where God brought us from. And what God has done for us in this house. So anytime you have an, a celebration, whether it's a church celebration anniversary, whether it's a pastoral anniversary, whether it's a birthday, whether it's an anniversary dealing with marriage, whatever the celebration is, God should be put at the front of that celebration. Because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't see another birthday. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have another anniversary. 
anniversary with your husband or spouse. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be able to celebrate nothing or no one. So we have to remember, God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So I'm celebrating you first and foremost because it's not about me. It's all about you. But the most important celebrating that we can do is celebrating what Jesus done for us on a daily basis. If it wasn't for him shedding his blood on that cross, if it wasn't for him loving us so much, all of us would be dead. So every day we should be celebrating and say, God, even when I was the worst sinner, even when I was still in my mess, you demonstrated your love for me. God, you proved your love for me. Even when I was yet a sinner, you still laid down your life for me. So every day that I get up, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to celebrate the grace and the mercy that you gave me. God, I'm going to give you glory for that. Because if it wasn't for you, God, I would have been dead. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God. is eternal life through Jesus Christ so Lord I'm going to celebrate every day I'm going to bring myself into remembrance of what you done for me God because he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through him so I'm going to celebrate Because God, you were sinless, but you took on the sin of the world. Because the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But I'm going to make it personal. For God so loved Amanda that he gave his only begotten son for little old me. Even when Amanda was in her mess, he laid down his life for me. And he said, Amanda, I'm waiting on you to accept what I've done for you. I'm going to die on your behalf. So that's worth celebrating. So dealing with this Passover, God said, I want you to celebrate this. I want you to come together in celebration. And I want you to celebrate how death, oh my goodness, passed you by. And see, they had to put blood on their doorposts. They had to do it the way God told them to do it. They had to get a lamb without blemish, a spotless lamb. And they had to eat that lamb. And they couldn't have nothing left of that lamb. And if they had too much, they would share it with, oh my goodness, are we sharing Jesus? Are we sharing Jesus with others? So the deaf angel could pass them by. They even had to leave with unleavened bread, with bread with no yeast. So God said, I want you to keep all of this before you. I want you to put it before your children. I want you to put it before your great, your grandchildren. I want everybody to know about what I've done for you. We can stop right there. Because how many of us are telling our children, are telling our grandchildren. Come on, it starts at home first. How many are telling them, let me tell you what God done for me. Let me tell you how he shed his blood on Calvary. Well, mama, why did he shed his blood? Baby, he didn't have to do it. But he done it because he loved me. He done it because he loved you so much. That the wages of sin, baby, was death. He said, I'm going to take on death, hell, and the grave for you. Come on, have we told our children? Have we told our grandchildren? Every day, we should remind ourselves, God, I thank you for what you've done for me. This Passover. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He was going up to celebrate this Passover. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. Now, this wasn't unusual because 
when the Passover was here, there were people that were coming with these oxen, with these sheep. They were coming with these things for people who were traveling so far that couldn't travel with these things. So they were there to give, not give, but they had to pay money for these oxen, these sheep, these doves, the pigeons. The pigeons were for the poor who couldn't afford an oxen or sheep or whatever. So they were there to sell these animals to them the money changers was there because the money that they had had to be changed out for the money that they needed so all of them were there to help them out because they traveled so far but the problem was they were doing things wrongly now I'm talking about the churches now when we come we're the temple we are born again We have accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have made home on the inside of us. Our body is his temple. The Bible says, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So this is where God resides. I don't know if somebody, I don't know if anybody told you, but your body is not yours. Your body belongs to him. So that means you can't do what you want to do no more. He's Adonai. He's master. He's Lord. He is owner. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. You don't have a say over your body. He's the owner. This is real, y'all. See, the day you accepted him, you said, I'm making my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. This is my reasonable service. This is my act of worship. So I just can't do what I've done with my body before. I can't touch what I used to touch that I shouldn't be touching. I can't look at what I used to look at. I can't use my mouth to talk about things that I shouldn't be talking about. Do we fall short with our mouth, with our eyes, with our hands, with our feet? Yes, Lord. Can I get a yes, Lord? Come on, get another yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. I do fall short. But because I acknowledge your grace, I turn around. Oh, my goodness. We fall short. But we do get up. We're supposed to. Because when we're reminded of what Jesus done for us, let me tell y'all something. Jesus didn't just die for sin for us to keep on sinning. Jesus didn't die for sin for us to keep on sinning. I'm going to say it again. He did not die for sin. The blood didn't wash away sin for us to keep sinning and bringing sin in the house of God. First of all, our body is his temple. This is his house. But when we come into this house, we come into here in fellowship to worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't even bring in and everything in this house because we're representing who we are in him. So they were bringing stuff to the temple. But the thing was, they supposed to have been outside, not in the temple courts. But they were in the temple courts doing what they should not have been doing. It goes on to say, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep, the oxen, poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Now people get mad at you when you live a holy life. When you stand up for what's right. When you say not in God's house. We're not going to have that in God's house. We honor God in this house. We're not going to have all these secular singers in this house. We're not going to have this, that, or the third, whatever y'all call it. 
house. We're going to do things the way God wants them to be done. So people know this is what we stand for. We stand for righteousness. We stand for holiness. We stand for what God stands for. We hate what he hates. We love what he loves. We don't make excuses for nothing. It is what it is. So it says that he poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Now listen at what happened. Now understand these disciples, they followed Jesus. They saw a man that was so humble. They saw a man that was so loving. They saw this man that, you know, healed, delivered, set free. But this is a time they saw some spiritual anger in Jesus. So can you imagine his followers saying, that man done lost his mind. But this is what happened when they saw all of this. This verse popped up in them. Then the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. See, when someone is doing something for the Lord, and maybe at times you don't understand why I get so spiritually angry. But if you in your word, a scripture is going to pop up in your spirit to let you know this is why she talked like she talked. This is why she lived the way she lived. This is why she say what she says, because the zeal of his house have eaten me up. The zeal of God, the enthusiasm, the passion, the burning that you're supposed to have, the desire that you have for God, supposed to eat you up to the point you hate sin. And you don't allow sin just because it's your mama, your father, your sister, your brother, your aunts, your cousins, your relatives. Just because it's family, you don't allow it and bow down to it because you have a zeal for God. You have an enthusiasm. You have a passion, a burning desire for God that's eating you up to the point you said, not in my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You're welcome to come in here, but you ain't bringing all that in here with you. Oh my goodness. But what do we do? We agree with sin quickly. We know what they're doing ain't right, but we sit down and we talk to them about Jesus and they still sipping and a dipping and ain't even respected the God in you. You still giving them the word and they saying, pour me a nun. Light it up. You want some of this? Make you feel good. The zeal for God should consume us, should have us at a place that we only like what he like. We only want to do what he would have us to do. That's how much zeal. And I can say, my granddaddy, I talk about him all the time. But the reason why I talk about him is because when I was growing up, I watched him. Anything that wasn't right, he didn't allow it in his house. He didn't allow you in his house fussing and a cussing. You got a home, go to it. He didn't allow that stuff in his house. He didn't allow cussing in his house. He'll throw you out of his house if you cussing in his house. Why? Because he's a carrier of the anointing. He's a carrier of the glory of God. So you didn't come in his house with a foul mouth. We have lost respect for our God. I'm going to get a little bit deeper today. I'm going to bring it. Because we're supposed to have some zeal. We're supposed to have some consuming fire when it comes to God. 
We're supposed to have some passion, some enthusiasm when it comes to God. It's supposed to be a burning desire on the inside of us when it comes to God. I said, God, where is this passion? Where is this enthusiasm? Where is it when it comes to the people of God? And God began to show it to me. He says right here in this verse, but any and all of it. God said, money have taken the passion, the enthusiasm, the burning desire that my people should have for me. They got more of that for money. They got an enthusiasm. They got a passion. They got a burning on the inside of them. More, more, more. I need more. Not enough. Then he took me to this verse. First Timothy six, verse three through five. I'm going to take my time. Expand the Bible. Listen at this. Anyone who has a different teaching and does not agree with the true teaching, sound healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that shows the true way to serve God promotes pity and godliness. That person is full of pride, arrogant, conceited, and understands nothing, but is sick with a love for, has an unhealthy interest in arguing, controversies, debate, fighting, quarrels over words. This brings jealousy, envy, fighting, strife, division. Speaking against others, slanders, blaspheming, evil, mistrust, suspicions, and constant quarrels, bickering, dispute from those who have evil, deprived, corrupt minds and have lost, been deprived of the truth. They think that serving God, God in this pity is a way to get rich, make a profit. Money has taken over in the churches. These were false prophets that was being spoken of to Timothy by Paul. These false prophets was teaching. The wealth that I have is coming through my teaching. This is how I'm getting wealth from God. Because it's coming through what I am teaching. You got churches that's teaching false teachings on godliness is gain. Meaning that you see me with all that I have because I'm living a godly life. This is why I have gain, but the teaching is wrong. Because if they're after this gain more than they're after living a godly life, that is a false teacher, that is a false preacher, that is somebody that's after money. I was in a place... That I had to go minister at. And I don't know who went with me to minister. But some of y'all may remember this. They went to that table three times. Said it wasn't enough. We got to go again. See they already had a goal that they were going to meet for that service. So I guess they assumed if I was coming in the building. I was going to bring some people to meet what they needed. So they counted it the first time. They turned the backs. Then they turned back around. We ain't quite met our goal. Musician, boom, 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 come in. So they came again. They turned around. Then they turned back around. We ain't quite met our goal. Come again. And I guess they figured they wouldn't get no more, so they went on with service. So guess what? The zeal, the enthusiasm, the passion, the burning desire that's in me for my God, Elohim, El El Yon, Adonai, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, El Roy. Come on, the burning desire I had soon as I got what God told me to say and it was against what they were doing correction and rebuke had to come in the house to let them know that God said he would supply all your need 
Give you another incident. See, I can talk about me. Went to another church I was invited to. And the Lord was telling me to do something. I didn't understand why the Lord wanted me to do it. But standing right here in this church, in this house. There was um, a gentleman here that was here. And I said, I need your help. Because God kept telling me, I want you to laminate a piece of fish. I want you to laminate a donut. And I want you to laminate a piece of chicken. So I told him, I said, can you help me do this? He was good at that. He helped me eliminate all of it. So when I got to that church and I began to speak on what God told me to speak on, he said, now I want you to bring out what I told you to eliminate. The chicken, the fish, and the donut. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to bring it out. Bought it out, got through with my teaching. The pastor got up and she said, this is what I was doing. I was selling fish. I was selling chicken. To pay my rent for this building. And I just got the message that God said he would supply. I don't have to try to work to get nothing. They ain't the end of it, y'all. So after she did the testimony, little fella come out the kitchen. He come to me and said, you want to buy a donut? She said, get back in the kitchen. She said, yeah, I had donuts too. the enthusiasm the burning desire that I had for God I wasn't worried about what people would say about me I was only going to teach and do what God has sent me to do that's what an apostle does when God sends an apostle apostle will come in that house and he'll get he or she'll get everything in order the way God wanted to be now let's talk about me Myself and I. When I first started out in ministry, we had the little house over there on the Perry, and that house needed some repair. So in my mind, I'm saying we got to repair it to go in it. The roof was leaking, the floors wasn't good, but we wanted to do enough to have church. How many done that? Got to do some patches just to have church. So this is the plan we come up with. Jennifer might remember. We're going to sell us some chicken. Y'all know you can go to House of Rayford all day long. Get you some boxes of chicken. And I had some of the family coming together with me. We had flour everywhere doing chicken plates, selling them. So we got 300 and some dollars to go over there and do some patch-up work, right? Even got a little bit more. So we went over there, bought us some little cheap carpet. You know what we do. We put down red because red is the blood, right? Had them on the roof, didn't know how to patch no roof, but they was on the roof, praise God, doing some patching. Storm came. When the storm came, it didn't only take the roof out. It went up all the red carpet. What happened to the blood, God? The blood never loses its power. I put red carpet because they said the blood, you can't mess with the blood now. I thought I was doing the Lord's work, selling chicken plates and doing what I had to do. Had someone to come into the house for Bible study. Oh, God is so good. I love open rebuke. They began to tell me, when God gives you something, you don't have to go out there and try to make it work by selling nothing. I'm like, "Uh oh, that's me. Lord, I thank you. From that day, it has been about 30 years. I have not fried a piece of chicken. I have not stole no donuts. Or nothing to try to get nothing for the house of God. If anybody know me, God will supply. Why do you think in this church I say give from your heart? Because God look at your heart. Like the woman, she gave the little mite. She gave all of her living. The ones who had money, they could just lay it down. But God said, I'm after your heart, not your money. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So God told me. He said the problem with the churches is. And the church. You have the money and you're not after me. You have lost your zeal because of money. Because you're trying to fix it. And I'm not in that fix. That's you. And that's why it's not working. Now let's look at 1 Timothy. We're going to go on to the 6th verse. But serving God. He's giving you an answer, Paul. Godliness, pity, does make us very rich, bring great profit. If we are satisfied with what we have. When accompanied by contentment. So he said godliness... It does make you rich, but it has to be with contentment. You got to be satisfied. You can't be trying to go get, 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 get. You have to be content with what you have and tell the Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you for what I have. Let me give you another story. When I had that position at the hospital and I was making good money, I was the director And the money was coming in. How many know when you get more money, you accumulate more things? Then it don't look like you got no money. Because you don't accumulate stuff based on that raise or based on what you have. So I kept accumulating. So it looked good. I was still serving God, but I kept accumulating and saying, you know, God is really blessed. God is really blessed. But see, I was doing things my way instead of doing it God's way. So when I lost the position, oh, y'all, let me tell you what God would do. When I lost the position, when I come off my high horse, we got some people in here on a high horse. You're riding a stallion. And you think you okay right now because your money looked quite well. You think your money can carry you, but your money is flying off gradually because you set it up and it felt good because you felt like it was God because you got that feeling like James Brown. You got some peace because money is in the bank. So no matter what happened, I got a few grand to live off of, but I'm here to tell you that money is flying away because you making that money your God. So when I got demoted, I'll never forget. I told God before all of this happened. I said, God, to have peace. I'd rather have peace than have the money. That's what I said. I said, I'd rather have a peace of mind than to have the money. So I was taking stuff off my wall before it happened. Taking stuff home out the office before it happened. So when they called me into the office and told me that this is why they let me go. It wasn't because I could not do the job. Now, the lady that was over the CFO that was over, you know, what I was doing, I was the director. I was up under her to bring the money in. She had a person in there that wasn't bringing the money in. They needed she said, we need 800000 a month in order for us to make it in this hospital. She told me, if you get in 800000 a month, I'll dance naked on the roof. I told Jennifer, they had fired her. But I said, go find her. Tell her she need to come and dance naked on this roof because we got 800 Can y'all believe? 800000 a month was coming in that business office. And it was because of the God I served. God showed me how to handle things. And I didn't even have a college degree. So the enemy was mad. Because money was coming in. But it wasn't the money. They, 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 they liked the money. But they didn't like my skin. They like the money, but they didn't like my skin. So we still want the money, but we don't want you. But you can't have the money without me because I serve a mighty God who's trying to show you that he is God. And it ain't about no degree. It's about his anointing. It's about him bringing glory in this place.
So it got to the point. I gave up. I said, you know what, Lord? They can have it. I'd rather have my peace of mind than to have all of this foolishness. So when they called me in, the first thing they said, it's not that you don't do a good job and it's not that you have not done a good job, but the board has decided that we want somebody with a degree. I said, okay. He said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. He said, ain't the end of it. We're going to cut your salary in half. I said, okay. I said, is that all? He said, are you all right, Amanda? I said, yes, I am. Walked out. How many know your enemies will meet you when you walk out? Walked out the very ones that God allowed me to help to put in position in that office. Going to stare me in my face. Is everything okay? Can I help you with something? Oh, everything is fine. So what they did, they demoted me from director to keying in a biller. Put me up under the supervisor that I hired. I was going to quit because pride kicked in. But God said no. I need to break you, to make you, to let you know it ain't about the money. It's about, it's about who I am. It's about me getting the glory, even when there ain't no money and I'm still shining. He said, because you're supposed to be a light to the world. And you're supposed to show forth my good works. You're supposed to let your light shine. By letting your light shine, it's showing forth your good works and the Father is being glorified. So I had to go through some things when I got the first paycheck and it was cut in half and the bills was based on that first paycheck. And this is why I tell people, you don't go on increase. You don't live off of that increase. You live like you lived before and you put it away like Joseph put it away. So when something get ready to happen, you are still increasing. So I got demoted, got the first check. But I held it up to heaven. See, God was breaking me down. And I began to thank God for what I had. And I began to say, God, show me how to use what I have for your glory. Y'all, that went on for years. Seemed like everything was piling up. Seemed like we was getting ready to lose instead of gain. No food in the house. Couldn't buy my children even a happy meal. Back then there were $2. Couldn't even buy them a happy meal. Couldn't get me clothes when I was pregnant. Could I go to my daddy? Could I go to my aunts? Yes, I could. But God said, I want you to trust me. I want you to look to me. I don't want you to look to them. Because if you look to them, you're going to keep looking to them. And you're not going to know that I'm Jehovah Jireh. You're not going to know that I'm your source. He said, I'll touch whoever need to be touched on your behalf so where does this zeal come from that's in me it comes from the things that I've been through that you don't know nothing about it comes from the passion the burning that's in me through what I've been through and how God brought me through it how God got me through what I went through and you think I'm gonna let somebody talk about my You think I'm not going to tell you the truth when I know what he done for me? So God said the zeal in the churches is leaving because of money. It's more things we're going to go over. He said, but money has taken over the churches. Money has been, it's a burning desire to get people in position that's got a high income that can give them a title long as they lay down the money. So we're going to look to them because I need me this and I need me that. If I cut them off, that's going to get cut off. Paul said, serving God does make us very rich if we are satisfied with what we have. Y'all, I had to get satisfied. 
I had to get content with the money, with not having the money I used to have. And this is how I know I was content. But before I got to that contentment, I was trying to make a way to make it work. I say, God, you know what? I, I you say, write the, write the vision, write the word plain, make it plain. So you can run with it. I set that, got out my journal. I will take my old job back and Lord, I can do this and I can do that and that old job. And Lord, I thank you for it. As soon as I got through writing, God said, the problem is somebody's in that job. So why would you want to take something from them? Because I need it. He said, you ain't learned yet. Oh, God talking to somebody up in here. Because I was looking at my needs. I was selfish. I was still full of pride. Well, Lord, she wouldn't have it if I didn't give it to her. I didn't want to put her in it. She ain't doing right anyway. Give it back to me. I fix it. So that went on. So God had to break me to make me. He had to show me how to be content with what I had. So I remember when I was getting to be content or thought I was content we had a piggy bank for our baby, which was Jeremy. Jeremy was older then. We was putting money in the piggy bank. And we needed some money. So I said, oh, some money in that piggy bank. It'll get us some gas. It'll get us something. So I told my husband, come on, let's count these penny, huh? pennies, honey. We counted the penny. We rolling them up. I forgot to roll them. I said, now you got to go take me. He said, I ain't taking them pennies to no bank. I said, well, yes, you is, because I ain't taking them. So both of us sitting there fussing over who's going to take the pennies to the back. Pride. God say, mm-mm. You still ain't content. You still got some pride in you. You got to humble yourself. When you humble yourself up under my mighty hand, then you're going to be exalted in due season. Because you still look into money and money has an effect on you. You even have a little bit you can take to the bank, but money is still ruling you because it ain't what you used to. So I got to break you down some more. See, God had to break us to make us. So I'm sitting there still. God was breaking me to make me. And finally, y'all, I got to the day of contentment. How did I get there? I finally said with my whole heart, God, if I cannot be faithful over five, don't give me 50. If I don't know how to use five, don't give me 50. God heard my heart. Y'all, it was a long time before I had a $50 bill that I could do with what I want to do with it. That's what I'm talking about. Have you ever had some money that you can do with what you want to do with it and didn't have to look back at what you've done? Come on, somebody. I don't hear nobody. Have you ever had some money that you can just loosely spend and don't have to worry about AT&T, Verizon, Duke Energy, house payment, car payment? You ain't have to worry about none of them people. You can just loosely spend that money and say, glory, I once was here, but now I'm here and my tithes is paid. I don't think y'all hear me. God broke me. Y'all, I got so content. When people was telling us, God said, this is what you're going to have. God said. And when God saw my contentment, I could put my car on the refrigerator, the Cadillac that I always wanted on the refrigerator, and I can speak over that Cadillac. Next thing I know, I got the Cadillac. Didn't have a job, but got the Cadillac. Jennifer knew. Because I remember old um, Nick, rest his soul, he would go in there and he would count the money that would come in on Sundays. And I would tell them, y'all decide what I need to be paid. And this congregation, it ain't for the people to decide nothing for us. We're not set up like the worldly churches. This is not, this church ain't based on people. It's based on God. And God puts in place what need to be in place because he know people hearts, okay? So, <laughs> when I told them to decide what I should get, old Nick looked at the offering. 
He said, how are you going to get her something out of him? Ain't enough in here to get, I believe it was $300. He said, ain't enough in here to get nobody nothing. What you going to pay with this? I said, I want y'all to say what you want me to have. It'll be there. It was there. Because I depended on God. I depended on God. I never said this is the salary. Have y'all ever heard me say? You remember evangelist? Never said this is the salary. Uh uh-uh. uh. I depend. We depend on God. We depend on God. And that's what we've been doing. Depending on God and not the money. Because if I depended on people totally, I'll check everybody in here and say, let me see your paycheck. Because you make more than a dollar. I know you do. McDonald's is giving 15 now, 14 is more than a dollar now. But we don't do that. We go on what you say you can do. I just teach you. Your heart got to be open and receptive to God, not me. So I got so content with what I had when God said, y'all going to get a house, y'all going to get this. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was putting stuff in every corner I could put it. Slipping it under the bed, forgetting where it was, had it here, had it there. I would have used Daddy Bond if he had let me. Because I was so content with where we were. That it didn't matter about getting this or getting that or getting the other. Because God had me in a place of contentment because I was satisfied with him. I was satisfied with whatever he wanted to do with my life. That's contentment. Not trying to get because your neighbor got. Not trying to get because your sister and brother got. Not trying to get it just because you can get it. But saying, God, I thank you for what I have. So I'm talking about contentment. This is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was saying, you're making my father's house. One um, version said, uh, den of thieves. You're robbers. We have robbers in the church of God that's robbing the people of God. And people don't even see it because they're seeing all of this stuff and saying, we are so blessed. No, you are so robbed. We don't supposed to store up things here on the earth. Because when we leave, somebody else is going to enjoy what you stored up. So he was telling them about godliness. He said we brought nothing. Y'all check this out. Have y'all ever seen a baby get birthed out with a Louis Vuitton? <laughs> Have you ever seen a son come out with a race car? He said, we brought nothing into the world, so we can't take nothing out. But if we have food and clothes, we will be satisfied with that. Come on, y'all. We ain't satisfied with food and clothes. The more food we get, the more we got to have. Freezer getting kind of empty. Let me go to pick the wig. They got pick five. Two freezers, two refrigerators, all of them full. Come on, there is a time we do store up, but we got to listen to God for that timing. We got clothes, but we're never satisfied. Got stuff with tags on it, but we still ain't satisfied. We're going to get more, and we forgot that we got a whole closet with tags and ain't wore it yet. But that ain't good enough, because this come out, I'm going to look good in that. You ain't wore that yet. And then some pajamas you got, you won't even wear them, because you're waiting to go into the hospital. Won't he wear your new socks, your new underwear? Won't wear none of these things because you said I got to save it in case I go in the hospital. <laughs> Won't let nobody use your new towels and washcloths because I got to save them just in case I have some guests to come. Nobody coming to your house. And wearing holy socks. 
underwear. Got new socks. That's why you tell your husbands and your wives, oh, I like that. Wait, oh, I've I been, I been wore this. You ain't wore nothing. You were saving it. Come on, y'all, all of us are guilty in here. Because I have a new spoon and don't want to use it. I said, where did this come from? You sitting in here and I can't even use my new spoon? I'm going to use this one. Or, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Got plates. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Got plates, but buying a paper plates and paper cups because we don't want to wash plates no more. I'm guilty. Lord, I, I'm guilty. And when guests come over, dag, I got to buy some formal paper plates. <laughs> <laughs> me and my husband my husband sent pictures out Kim and Jane paper plates cabinet full of glasses and plates but just look at them don't touch them and don't do no barbecue chicken and one of them nice Pyrex thing get you a tenfold pan I'm getting too old. And y'all wondering why you can't pay tithes? The paper plate man got your money. We can give for paper plates. And can't just give me some of your paper plates. I'll put them in the kitchen if you don't want to pay no tithes. We'll take paper plates. But some of you ain't gonna give me that. Because then you got to wash dish. He said be satisfied. And it's getting so bad. You got to get a certain kind of paper plate. You can't get the ones that burn up in the microwave. You can't get them no more. My husband and I come back with the wrong paper plates. Who's going to use that? Let me read this again. But if you have food and clothes, we will be satisfied with that. Now we won't. Those who want to become rich bring temptations to themselves. Fall into temptations and are caught in a what? Trap. They want, desire many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. Plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money. Causes the root of all kinds of evil. If you got all kinds of evil in your house, you better check your love for the money that you have. Y'all ain't got over them paper plates. Some people have left, strayed, wandered from the faith. True that. Because they want to get more money. But they have caused themselves much sorrow and have pierced themselves with many pains. People have strayed away from the faith because they want to get more money. What does that mean? I do not want to sit here and trust God. I need more money. So I'm going to go hustle. I'm going to go get more hours. I need more clients. So I got to do some more work to get some more. Straight away from the faith. You ain't trusting God. You trusting in money because you still trying to find a way to do something that God ain't told you to do that seems right, but it ain't right. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but it leads to death. But you, man of God, man meet all of us. Run away. This is what he's saying. From flee all those things instead chase after pursue a right relationship with God righteousness a godly life godliness pity faith love patience, perseverance endurance and gentleness this is what we supposed to be doing.
When Abraham wanted a son, Isaac, he waited 25 years to get Isaac because he was trusting God. When he got Isaac, God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. Abraham did not hesitate. He went to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac said, Father, where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide a sacrifice. When he got there to sacrifice his son, check this out. This is how faith is. A ram was in the bush. That ram was already there before he was even going to sacrifice his son. Faith was already in the works when Abraham said, yes, Lord. And he went on his journey. God said, I already got what you need before you get there. Because I know you love me more than you even love your son. Do we love God more than we love money? I ain't hear nobody. Do we love God more than we love money? We say yes. But when the bank accounts start looking a little funny, acting a little funny, we forget that there is a... Because we're looking to find ways to make more money. Where is the zeal? Where is the passion? Where is the burning desire for God instead of money? Where is the enthusiasm when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to participating in what God is doing in this house? Where is your zeal? Where is your enthusiasm? To say, God, we're doing this unto you. Whatever I have, it belongs to you. It don't belong to me no more. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven. Listen at this. Greedy people. Expand the Bible. Greedy people. Those who get unjust gain. Did anybody know what unjust, unjust gain is? It's gain that you getting unjustly. It's stuff that you have set up that God ain't set up to get you money to take care of you, but you're doing it the wrong way. Brings trouble to their family's house. If you got a husband or wife, or even single people that's doing stuff unjustly to try to make money, to make it look like this is God, it's bringing trouble to your house. But the person who can't be paid to do wrong, hates, gifts, bribes, will live. Check this, Exodus 23, 4, 8. You must not accept money from a person who wants you to lie. In court, a bribe, that's what a bribe is. Accepting something from somebody that you know is wrong. Because such money will not let you see what is right. Do y'all hear that? A bribe blinds officials. Such money makes good people tell lies. A person that bribes people will lie to that person to sell what they got. Because they ain't seeing what need to be seen. Their perception is off because they're thinking it's right. They're thinking this is how I can live. This is how I can make it. But what did God say? And this is what happened to Judas. Matthew 27, 3 through 5. Judas, the one who had given, betrayed Jesus to his enemies, saw that what he decided to kill Jesus, that he decided to kill Jesus. Then he was very sorrowful, filled with remorse for what he had done. So he took the 30 pieces of silver coin back to the leading chief elder saying, I sin, I hand it over to you, betrayed an innocent man. That's what he did. It was a bribe. They bribed him for 30 pieces of silver. He turned over Jesus. He knew what was right, but he wanted the money more than he wanted Jesus. This is happening in the churches. People are not lining up no more because they're trying to make money their way instead of helping God. You are scraying or trusting God. You are scraying away from the faith because you are trying to calculate this, 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 this. God is not in that calculation. Where is the zeal for God? Isaiah 5, 8 through 9. This is when God told the Israelites... About serving idols and they begin to serve idols. They were in idolatry. 
verse 8 says how terrible it will be for woe to you who adds more houses to your houses and more fields to your fields accumulating wealth at the expense of others and violation of God commands until there is no room left for other people no spaces left then you are left alone in the land the Lord all powerful almighty heavens armies hosts said this to me in my ear the fine houses will be destroyed, become desolate. The large and beautiful houses will be left empty. So what God is saying, anything that you're doing and God ain't in it, it's going to be left desolate. It's going to be left empty. It's like you putting money in a bag with holes because you're trying to make it outside of God. The zeal of God have left the house of God. The things that we should be passionate about, the things that we should be enthused about is with God, not with the world. This is the way the world does it. We walk by faith and not by sight. If God tell us to do it, we do it. Even if the money ain't there, we say, thank you, Lord, for what you have already done. If you said it, God, you're going to have to do it. God, you called me to this. You chose me to this. I didn't choose myself. So God had to break me. To make me. When people wasn't paying their tithes. My husband gave up his paycheck for six whole months. To make sure that everything in here was running. And some people said well how are you trusting God? Because we took what was in our house and we gave it to the house of God. And we said God we're trusting you with what we have. And we lost nothing. Even when the money wasn't there, I would walk the road and I would talk to God and I would say, God, what in the world is going on? And I knew what was going on. The devil was in the church telling people not to pay their tithes. But guess what God did? He broke me some more. He said, that's how I'm going to know if you still trust me. When it don't look like nothing is coming in. Can you still trust me? I say, God, I trust you because you chose me. I didn't choose myself. I'm not going to quit paying tithes just because. So me and my husband kept doing what we were doing. God said, I'm going to show you how to take little and I'm going to show you how to make it much. So when little do come in the land, you're not going to be affected by it because you're not trying to gain no more. You are content with what you have. We have been content with the same salary for 20 some years. But some of y'all have got raises. We don't take it. We just give God glory for what we have. And we thank him for what we have. Because God has raised us. He has broke us to raise us. And when people look at what we have, the first thing they say, you're taking from the church. That's very funny. Very funny. Because people know who give and people know who don't. And I don't even know because I don't even look at it. Because if I probably looked at it, I'd be mad. But I don't do that because that's not who I am. I trust God. And if God said it, God have to do what he said. Our dependency have to be on him. That's why we have to be faithful over what we have. That's why when we come into the house of God, we want to have zeal. We want to have some enthusiasm. We want to have some passion. We want to have a burning desire on the inside of us for the things of God. So nobody don't have to ask you for anything because of that passion, because of that desire that you have, because you know me, because you know my husband, because you know who's in the congregation. You should have that passion and that zeal for God to say God is about you and ain't about them. So whatever you're doing or trying to do to make it work outside of God, it will not work. You have to let it all go and say, God, I'm not going to try to do nothing to make something work. The only thing I'm going to do is do what you will have me to do because you have blessed the works of my hands. I'm not going to try to take something to add to something that I didn't suppose to to get money because that's not you. That's being greedy for gain. And remember, your house will be left desolate 
Because you're doing stuff to try to gain stuff outside of the will of God. This is what they were doing in the temple of God. And that's why Jesus was so spiritually angry. Because he recognized what was going on in that temple. And the love that he had for God. He could not allow it to go on anymore. This is what pastors supposed to do. The love pastors have for God first and foremost. And then for the sheep. He, he or she should not allow adultery. Fornication. Any sin that's in the church, that's corrupt in the church, is supposed to be addressed in love according to the word. We don't speak on sin on Sundays, but we speak on his grace. We speak on what grace did. If grace have already paid the price, then we shouldn't live like the price wasn't paid. So God said the zeal for God has left the house of God. Some people don't even have a passion to help out in the house of God. Don't have an enthusiasm because they feel like I got to do this or I got to do that. But I'm here to tell you, your house is going to be left desolate because you're putting stuff before you're putting God. God has to be first and foremost in your life. Quit sitting down with your pen and your paper. Uh, 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 uh. I'm going to move this here. I move that here. And you know what? If you grab a few more here, it'll help take care of that there. Where's God in this, that, and other? Because if you can't put your hands to God's work, why are you putting it to the world's work to say this is God? God should be first and foremost. I have learned since I've been off my job for 24 years. Can y'all imagine? We gave up everything because we trusted God. And God hasn't failed us because we trust him every day. For everything we have, we trust God. Sometimes do we Try to think, well, if I do this, then I can do this. Yeah. But what God does, he'll put you back on track. And he'll let you know, why are you trying to do this to get this? If I said it's yours, you don't have to do nothing. But thank me for what belongs to you. Because I'm the one that's going to touch somebody's heart to give you the exact, exactly what you need for what you are asking for. Amen. So come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Do we have any visitors that would like to stand. Before we do the announcements. If so you can stand at this time. And we'll go on with our announcements. Thanks for watching Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries. Where miracles happen. You can join us each week on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern for church service and on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Bible study. For upcoming events, teachings, and ways to contact us and more, you can visit us on the web at www.mtdm.org. You can also give a donation by clicking the Donation tab. God bless you, and we will see you next week.